Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a financial and emotional journey that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that help craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dine with Amy Irvine and special guest Barbara Houston. We're thrilled to have you here, Barbara. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend a Friday afternoon with us. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled to be here, so thank you for inviting me. Now, I know that um, we had a brief conversation before uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend of ours, and uh, Barbara has some amazing information to share, and I can't wait to talk about her books and her classes and her workshops and all the fun, amazing things that she does. But before we get into that, I really have to ask the, the standard question, do you have a preferred wine that you really like? I do. And I've just discovered it this past couple months ago. So uh, my ex-husband, who was a wine connoisseur, and we had a wine cellar and everything, but he had this thing that the wine he drank at home, he wanted to find the best wine for under $10. And I have continued that tradition. And so a couple months ago, I just discovered a Chardonnay and the winery's name is Josh. Josh Chardonnay. And that is now my new favorite wine. Is it a buttery Chardonnay or a minerally Chardonnay? It's very buttery. Yeah, that's right. Now, does buttery mean it has less oak or more oak? Usually it's more oaky. Oh, okay. Okay. Minerally would be usually like steel barrel aged or something like that. Yeah. Where okay. um, Buttery to me anyways, buttery is that more oaky, smooth kind of yeah. creamy flavor is what I say. Yes. <laughs> creamy. Love the creamy. Yes. Yeah. I love creamy Chardonnay. I'm not such a big fan of the um, the minerally. I figure if I'm going to drink minerally, I'll go with a Sauvignon Blanc. That's my personal. Yeah. Preference. So, so jo- is it Josh Sellers or just Josh Winery? Because I know there's a Josh Sellers, Sellers too. It's just, it just Josh. says Josh on the label. Wow. So now I have a new one to go look for when I hit the the uh, wine outlets that I like to go to. So it's a Chardonnay and I'll try some of their others like Pinot Noir if they have it or something. They like have that. a nice Pinot, a nice Pinot, but the, the Pinot's over 10. So I, I rarely get it. 
I love the fact that it has to be under 10. You know, there's some good wine out there that's under $10 and it gets unappreciated. So, you know, if you're on a budget, there's go, go look for some of those good under 10 wines. And you now have one called Josh that you can go explore. So thank you for taking the time to entertain me a little bit on that, that particular question. So Barbara, kind of digging in, because I know there's, I have so many questions, um, digging into uh, your journey and life. Um, I read your story and I will put in the show notes, your website, but um, you, you are, I don't know, what can I say? An amazing woman. Let me just say that. And one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show in March in particular is because March happens to be Women's History Month. And March 8th, which is um, also this year, my 50th birthday, happens to be Women's and uh, International Women's Day. And I always think it's so important for us to honor those of those women that have gone before us and sort of been those trailblazers. And you are absolutely a trailblazer. So if you wouldn't mind to kind of give a little bit of background about your journey and how you kind of got to where you are today. So it's just amazing to hear you say you are a trailblazer. And I think back to this is not how I thought my life would go, that I would be considered an expert in finances. So I grew up in the Midwest with a very wealthy family. My father was the R of H&R Block. And the only advice he ever gave me about money was don't worry. Because <laughs> under that was the assumption there'll always be a man to take care of you. And I thought that was great advice. I didn't understand money. I just wanted to spend it. And I married a stockbroker. So he was perfect. But I found out very early in our marriage that he was a compulsive gambler. And even though I find out every year, many times a year for 15 years, I continue to let him manage the money because that's how terrified and intimidated I was by anything financial. And finally, after our divorce, I decided money's not my thing. I do not want to deal with money. Well, it's like the universe had other plans for me. I started, I got tax bills for way over a million dollars for back taxes my ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. My signature was on everything. My ex had left the country. I didn't have anywhere close to a million dollars. He had lost it. And my father wouldn't lend me the money. And that's when I knew I had to get smart. So I started going to classes. I started, you know, reading the books and my eyes would glaze over. My brain would fog up and I just felt just terminally stupid. But, but I had three daughters, young daughters. One was just a baby. I was not going to raise those girls on the street. I knew I had to get smart. And at the time, I was a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times. And I got hired for a freelance project to interview women who were smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. I not only got smart, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, (laughs) How Women Get Smart About Money. Yeah, and then I had this whole new career. I was traveling all over the country. Uh, doing financial education for women, but I couldn't make money. I couldn't make money. So I started interviewing women who made lots of money. And I started making six figures before I even finished that book, The Secrets of Six-Figure six women. women. Yep, yep. Great book. And then I started teaching 
to see if what I learned from them, I could teach others. And then came my next book, Overcoming Under Earning. And now seven books later, here I am talking to you. It's amazing. You know, so um, a friend of mine has said, I don't know, we were sitting around having drinks one night and I we were talking about my goal in life is to empower women around finances. And she's like, what do you mean? A man's not a plan? I said, no, a man is not a plan. As much as I love my husband daily, I've been married almost 28 years. We have a great relationship. I'm very fortunate. I feel like we've beat the statistics at this point in time. But I think it's always worked with Brent and I too, because there's always been that equilibrium around money, you know, and also around empowerment. Like, you know, there's always been that that um, sense of being able to take care of myself, you know, and and him being able to take care of him himself to a certain extent as well. So, I think that that is um, her her saying. Every once in a while, I'll I'll say that to people. Well, a man is not a plan. <laughs> it's, you know. I, have, I have a I have a, a bumper sticker that says that a man is not a financial plan. <laughs> So I want to talk a little bit about your books and I want to, I want to also talk about, um, I want to take, go out to your website just for a little bit and talk about some of the programs that you have going on right now too. But you mentioned the first book that you wrote, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How to how Women Get Smart About Money. Um, you were kind enough to send me that book recently and I just started it. So this will be, um, this will be a good intro, not just to me, but it, one of the things that grasped me on the very back of the book, it says the classic guide that teaches women how to take charge of their finances instead of waiting for somebody or so, someone or something else to do it for them. And I, I think it's important for all women to hear this message um, because it also says a heart to heart talk about the psychological and financial tools women need to control of their uh, of their economic destiny. And that was um, the Seattle Times that actually wrote that about your book. You mentioned that you wrote this book because you were interviewing a lot of women. You were you were out there doing some work and you interviewed a bunch of women on that and decided to write this book. And you had also been through quite a bit. When somebody reads through this book, what are some of the things that they would well, I mean, why would they pick it up and feel like I'm going to I'm going to read this book and get something out of it? Well, this is the first because I couldn't find it. This is the first book that I found. And then this was this came out 25 years ago. So yeah, I know. Like, it, it was great. It's, phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal. But what it, my problem wasn't with money. My problem was with how I thought. Mm-hmm. And I remember I went to when I was in the throes of my panic around money and I couldn't figure it out. I went to a psychologist and I said to him, Daniel, I really want to get smart about money. I really do. I'm having such a hard time, but I want to get smart. And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, no, you don't. And it's like, there was a part of me that couldn't argue. There was a part of me that didn't want to get smart. There was a part of me that believed my parents would be furious if I took charge. There was a part of me that believed I'd lose everything, better let my husband lose it. And there was a big part of me that felt that if I was successful, a man wouldn't love me. And that, those were the things that were keeping, holding me back from learning. And that's when I realized the that financial success, that wealth building, that understanding money is 
far more than a practical process. It's also a psychological mm -hmm. journey. And it is also a spiritual practice for some women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, chapter two of the book actually um, says, if I'm so smart, why am I so dumb about money? Yeah. The number of times that I've sat down with people and they, they've come to me and they've said, I'm so embarrassed. I should know more about this. And, I'll, and I always say to them, what, why? Like, were you taught this? Were you educated about this? Did you go to school for this? The answer is no. This isn't something we were born to know how to do. This is something we are taught. So when I saw that particular chapter title, I will admit I skipped to it because, <laughs> like, you know, I'm curious. It, it is, it is insecurities often, you know, get come to the surface around. One of the, big, one of the biggest surprises I had when I wrote my second book, The Secrets of Six Figure Women, these women were very successful making six and seven figures, very successful and very confident. But my biggest surprise was how few of them were wealthy. They were so busy making money that they didn't have the interest, the time, or the, the courage mm -hmm. to manage it. Mm -hmm. And I remember interviewing one woman who made, oh, this was in the year 2000, made over $700,000 in the entertainment industry. She was an executive. And she said, I feel one step away from a refrigerator carton on the street. I said, how is that possible? She said, my biggest investment was shoes in Neiman Marcus. It just, it never occurred to her. She just, it, it's what I call, you know, the, the Prince Charming syndrome. And Prince Charming doesn't need to be a man. Prince Charming could be anything we think will rescue us financially. And it's not just older women, it's younger women too mm -hmm. that, that have this. It's this, that, that was what I realized that every single woman I interviewed for that charming book came to the conclusion, no one will do this for me. Mm -hmm. No one will do this for me. And that's when I realized, oh my God, <laughs> Prince Charming isn't coming. It's up to me. <laughs> but at the same time, they also told me, but I don't have to do this alone. And that's why it's so important. There are people like you, Amy, that are really invested in empowering women. Mm -hmm. From a women, woman's viewpoint, not from a man's, because for men and women process financial information very differently. Very differently. Yep. And and I think the, the financial industry has not gotten that memo. Yeah. You also wrote a book called Sacred Success. And um, that uh, I zoomed through that book. I mean, I just that was such a well-written book. It was in English. I mean, true English. Um the, the cover of the book says A Course in Financial Miracles. I mean, I couldn't help but read a book with that kind of byline on it, right? So I, I thought for, for women that are looking for, well, anybody really, but looking for a great, a great book around blending the money and emotions, I think this is a wonderful book for them to read through. I, I personally, um, I don't, I forget what year you wrote this. I have to look again. And so it came like, out 2014. Yeah, that, it was. I knew it was a little bit newer, but you know, time flies anymore. 2014 was eight years ago. It feels like it was yesterday. I know. <laughs> but one of the things that I loved about the book was the exercises. 
Um, so throughout the course of the book, you had some good exercises for people to pay or for people to actually um, complete as part of the process of reading this book. And I always, I always personally feel like I learn more when I can pause, you know, read something, pause, really think about how it impacts me and then sort of go on and build from that. Um, so for, for you, and, and even um, one of the things that I liked about was um, thinking about, you know, what thing, what kind of things have happened previously that may be barriers to you, right? And I always talk a lot about barriers. Like that's one of the things that I ask a lot of people about, like, where do you feel the barriers are? So for people that are looking for this journey to start somewhere, um, you know, you have all these wonderful resources. I think we've mentioned three or four of your books already. People can actually go out to your website and they can look at all the books that are out there. I know Amazon carries them as well. But I also want to make the leap to something which I think is even more impactful. You have a mentorship program that you are now running. Tell us a little bit about that and the coaching that you offer. This particular mentorship program is um, my latest book, the one that just came out last year, is called Rewire for Wealth. And what I did is I incorporated neuroscience in with personal finance, with the psychology and the spirituality. Because I really, I'm, I'm seeing that financial empowerment, financial success, is a four-pronged process. It's the practical, yes. But if you have a hard time with the practical, then it's important that you address the psychological. What are the attitudes, beliefs, and decisions you've made about yourself and money that could be holding you back? But for women, there's also that's the, what I call the higher work of wealth, which is the spiritual component. Mm -hmm. It's why are you here? What are you, What is it you want your money to do for you? Because I feel like we're all here for a purpose and we can't, possibly pursue our purpose if we're not if we're drowning in debt or struggling to make ends meet and then there's that final component which is the mind brain connection what i call the deeper work of wealth and so my mentorship program is a mind training program to help you train your mind to wire your brain for wealth and well-being and really whatever else you want because it, our behavior is controlled by our brain. But trying to change our behavior without changing the cause of that behavior is kind of an uphill battle. The brain is shaped by our, the mind. The thoughts and feelings we have is what shapes our brain, what digs those neural pathways. So instead of trying to change your behavior, which is really hard, if you can train your mind to think differently, you can do it very, very quickly. So it's been a really exciting five, six years that I've been working with this. And uh, so my mentorship program is specifically working with women to train them to think differently. So draw the dots for me. You were a journalist. You wrote a few books. You wanted to learn about money. Now you've gotten into, we're going to rewire it. Draw the dots for me on how you got there. Like how I've always known, you've probably always known that money and emotion are tight. They are tight. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> I've never met, never met a person that didn't have some emotional 
reaction to something around their money. So, you know, how, as you went on this journey, like what led you to this path? Like you said, it took you five or six years to write this. Like what led you down this particular path? So I got my master's degree right at the end of my marriage, my first marriage with a gambler. I got my master's degree in counseling psychology and I was going to be a therapist. And I started a PhD program and I was working, and then I started working as a career counselor, but I got pregnant, quit the PhD program, quit career counseling, had my baby, and then started going into journalism, which is a huge long story. And then my world fall, fell apart. My world whole fell apart. I got divorced, had those tax bills. I thought I was gonna die. I pulled my life together. And when I got my life together, I thought, this is what I'm here to do. This is why I had this experience. This is what I was put on this planet to do. And I wanted to empower women to go through, to, to, to not have to go through what I went through. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's the dots. There's the dots. The experience that you've gone through, you've now decided to take that to that higher level and help other women um, get through their journey, right? Get through that oh, yeah. journey. Um, so, I, sorry, I kind of bounced back and forth there for a second, but I just, I wanted to draw the dots because we often talk about money and psychology being so tightly connected, but you actually have the training. <laughs> to have this connection. And that's why I wanted to draw those dots. So you... Let me just say that I think, I kind of feel compelled to say this. I don't know what you're going to ask me, but I have learned the 27 years I've been doing this, that I absolutely am convinced that women's difficulties with money has nothing to do with money. It really doesn't. It has everything to do with their fear of or ambivalence about power. And that's not the money that gives us power. It's the process we need to go through to be a container that can attract, that can grow our and sustain our wealth. And my definition of a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants, and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So in other words, our fear of power is our fear of becoming all of who we're meant to be. And not water ourselves down so we don't make waves or we don't rock the boat. You know, and probably until about two years ago, and maybe even as soon as a year ago, um, what's interesting is that uh, public recognition and I have never mixed. (laughs) I would rather crawl under a desk and hide than stand up in front of a group of people and get public recognition. But about a year ago... Um, somebody said something to me around like, you know, why do you feel that way? And, and I said, I I just, it feels braggy. It feels, you know, like I, I don't know. It feels icky if I get, you know, recognized for something. And she looked at me and she said, you're the problem there. And I was, I was taken aback by her response to me. And I said, what do you mean? I'm the problem. She said, you always say if she can see it, she can be it. Well, you won't let anybody see it. And she was really angry with me. Like she was really, um, 
you know, like you're, you're, you're saying that you want more women in finance. You're saying you want more women to be financial planners, but you, you just said you'd rather hide underneath the desk than get the recognition of it. Thanks a lot. It changed my mentality significantly when she called me on the carpet that way. And I always say it's that queen, you know, syndrome where a true queen is somebody who will fix your crown sort of quietly behind the scenes versus like, you know, in front of everybody or whatever. But her adamant or her strong comments to me, I think match exactly what you just said is that we need to be more pronounced about what we want to see and recognize each other and be proud of our achievements a bit more and not consider it braggy, but consider it as a way for the next person to see the path forward. But it's really hard, at least for me, it always was still probably is when I really want to admit it. But I think that the same is true about money. Like I, you know, I'm very, I talk about money all day, but boy, if I, you know, I, I don't want people to know what I have from, I, it's really strange, isn't it? I mean, I, the psychology of it, I think is so interesting. And so the reason I'm strange, I don't think it's strange. I think the patriarchy, the, the prevailing male system has tried their best to keep us quiet and submissive. And that it's not supposed to be nice for a woman to brag. But for me, it was terrifying. But I so wanted to be a role model. I so wanted women to see. Yeah. And at first, it was, for me, it was embarrassing that I was so stupid for so many years. Um, But I think when your purpose is stronger than your fear. Yeah. But it, it propels you. But you weren't stupid. You just weren't educated, right? But so I, I felt think, stupid. Yeah, and I felt yeah. stupid. I, and, and I, the I, feeling is It's not even that I wasn't educated. I didn't even want to be educated. I didn't even want to know. It was too terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring it back to, because I, I took it on a different avenue, but I want to bring it back to the, the mentorship program and the group coaching that you actually have. So um, you wrote the book, Rewire for Wealth. Um, and, and now you're, you've built this coaching program around, around that concept, right? So you're taking it to the next level. Um, tell us a little bit about the coaching program, who, who it's a good fit for, like, you know, what you're trying to do with that program. That program is limited and it's going to be over soon, but I have another ongoing online community called the wealth connection which is a group coaching and also educational program. And I wanted like four or five years ago, I wanted, my dream has always been to create a safe space where women could talk about money with other women as women, where we could talk about the practical and the emotional, where we could talk about our successes, but also our fears. And it's created a beautiful, deeply intimate we're a group where we go really deep. It's so beautiful. And to watch people's change, I feel like I'm sitting in a 12-step program and you see all this recovery and everybody's supporting everybody. Um, so we we do group coaching every other week. We have a, a, a financial expert like yourself is going to come speak. Yeah. 
Um, and, and we do book clubs and master classes and all kinds of offerings. And anybody is welcome to come, right? I mean, there's a there's a monthly fee that they pay to be part of this, but they can attend both sessions every single month and they can come and listen and participate as much as they want or share as much as they want. And so it's kind of a, a, a um, I, I call it wine and dine. I mean, I'm obviously prejudiced with the phrase, but it's sort of not that people necessarily drink wine, but it's kind of like sitting around with a bunch of your girlfriends with a glass of wine and talking about money. It's like sitting around with a good, bunch of friends, but not just talking about money, going deep with money, really bringing up our most biggest, most vulnerable parts of us and getting feedback and coaching from me, getting feedback and advice from others. And you realize you're not alone. You're not the only one going through this. And you see these women who come in terrified, defeated, and a few months later, they're smiling and beaming. And they're saying what I always hear women say once they start taking the financial reins. They say, oh, my God, I feel so powerful. And that's why I do this. It's, I want every single woman to have that sense of their own power. Mm-hmm. Because when you take charge of your money, you really do take charge of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, it opens up opportunities. When you see it, it opens up opportunities in your life. And when you feel empowered, you feel like you can make decisions that affect you long-term. I always talk about the bad lady syndrome with a lot of folks because we have some clients that really financially are fine, but they have this bad lady syndrome that they are, they're worried that they're going to end up on the street, that they're going to run out of money at some point in time in their life because they're whatever emotion is that they're connected to money is their emotion. And, and they don't know why they feel that way. You know, they, they have plenty of, of financial resources, but they're just afraid. And until they figure out what's driving that fear deep down in, they're always going to feel that way. And that's, no one wants to live like that, you know? So it's a, it's a matter of, it's a matter of shifting your mindset, shifting your beliefs because so much of our beliefs around money have been inherited from our family of origin or from the culture. Uh, And it's really doing that deep dive into, being financially empowered offers you opportunities, but it it forces you to shift your thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read, um, um, have you ever, read anything by Kate Moore. She wrote The Radium Girls, and she also wrote a book called The Woman They Could Not Silence. No. Um, it's no. a thick book. The Woman They Could Not Silence is a, a a very thick book. I read it. It took me a couple weeks to get through it all. It's a true story about a woman back in Civil War era whose husband was a, a minister, and she was very much into the um, women's suffrage movement. Her husband didn't like what she was having to say. And back then, when husbands didn't like what wives had to say, they put them in the same asylums. In a and what? In the same asylums. Oh, geez. Yep. So this was out in Illinois. Um, and the book is all factual. Like, uh, there's quite a few pages that are from reference material. But Kate wrote this, Kate Moore wrote this book, came out last year. 
Um, I think I got it soon after it came out and read it over the summer. It, as I was reading it, it really stood out to me why some of the some of the struggles that we as women have are ingrained way back into then. Like, you know, some of the thoughts that people had about women, you know, back in the six, the 1800s, the 70s, like, you know, this is not something that's new. It's, it's something that has taken place over a long period of time. And when I read some of the statements that were, that were made during that period of time, I'm like, oh, they're still saying that kind of stuff about us. So in some ways it was, you know, like depressing because I was reading, you know, that we really haven't come that far. In other ways, I was, it was um, warming to know that we have made some inroads and some movements like women now can have their own money and they can have their own jobs and they can have their own careers. But it was a very interesting book and it just really, um, it really supports what you just said a few minutes ago, that this is, this is deep. This one of the the things that I'm really studying now and really using in my work is, is the effect that trauma, not just trauma in our lifetime, but intergenerational trauma has had on our relationship to money. Because I think two of the things that keep successful women uh, disempowered financially is unhealed trauma and repressed emotions, especially anger. That just, it just clogs up our pipes and we're, it makes it hard to think and hard to act differently. Well, I'll leave it at that with a dun, 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 more to come. (laughs) For those of you that are interested in pursuing this coaching, you can go out to Barbara's website. Basically, uh, you just want to go to Barbara Houston. It's Barbara hyphen Houston, Barbara dash Houston, H-U-S-O-N. Dot com. And you can Mm -hmm. learn more about this coaching program. It's, um, it's something I am, as Barbara mentioned, it's something that I am going to be participating in and speaking at relatively soon. Um, we are excited uh, moving forward. Barbara and I are actually talking about some other, um, fun things that we can maybe do together to, um, to really, grow the empowerment level and the comfort level that women have with their own money story and their own money journey. I always said that my goal is to leave this planet with the idea that I have uh, empowered more women around this particular topic. Barbara is feeling the same way and we feel like there's a lot of synergy um, where we can we can share each other's talents moving forward. So please stay tuned uh, for announcements that will be forthcoming as we continue to work together. And for those of you that uh, can't wait for that, like I said, please go out to her website. We'll have all the contact information in the show notes so you can start that journey if you want to go down that path at this point in time. But I'm excited to have met you, Barbara, to have read two of your books already. Um, so I've got a few more to go. Um, to uh, to get my own head around things that I might be able to share with people. Um, sometimes in writing, it just helps. And uh, can't say thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today. And for for all the listeners, please um, 
please share this with your friends and your family and both on social media as well as via email and the books uh, that Barbara has written, we will also post in the show notes. So you can click right to that to get copies there. Barbara, is there any one final tip that you could give to, to the listeners before we head off into the sunset this Friday? Yes. I think that the biggest difference between those who are financially successful and those who aren't is the willingness to do what they fear. I think that if you do nothing else, but every day do something you fear, you will, that I have, I just, I have a sign that I wrote in crayon, do what you fear, that's how you succeed. And I have it across from me, so I see it. I think about that. I think, um, and it doesn't have to be financially driven. It can just be emotionally, right? Everything, whatever it is. If you, it is the fear. And that's our, our not wanting to be uncomfortable. Every time you go to do something new, every time you go to rise to the next level, your body, your brain will scream, no, don't do that. <laughs> and it's doing what you fear. That's how you grow. 2015 was a year full of fear for me. So, <laughs> and look at you now. Look at you. Uh, you know, well, this year, one of the big things that we did, and, it, and certainly, I, I'll be honest with you, I still have imposter syndrome from time to time, but this year was a fear of repricing, um, you know, on our fee schedules a little bit. My fear was people would leave. You know, like our clients would leave if we repriced what they were paying us. And so far, you know, with the clients that we've spoke to, they've been like, okay, you know, it's sort of been like a non-conversation and I'm expecting to like explain to them why we're raising fees and the services that they're getting and all this sort of stuff. And they're like, okay, but that was a big fear. And I'll tell you, I probably put it off for about two years because of that fear of getting in the way. And it finally just got to the point where I've got some awesome team members that wanted a raise. <laughs> and it was, you know, I was driven by the fact that I want to continue to provide not only for my family, but for their family as well. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a great experience for me so far this year. And every time I have to have the conversation with a client, there's still a little bit of fear in me. So throughout the course of the year, I am definitely exercising that, uh, that, that particular skill set, I guess you want to say, is to to get a little fearful because it is it is scary to go into those relationships. I mean anybody could walk away at any point in time, but so far we've we've gotten really good response. So that's um I guess just incentive for others that might be listening to think I couldn't do that. Well I was very nervous about that as well. And so far it's it's turned out really well. Um, and there might be some people that ultimately do, you know, decide that they don't want to continue with our services, but um, so far, so good. Congratulations. And, and that's wonderful you shared that because really success takes courage. Well, I have a team that I need, I need them to see it so they can be it. And so that's my job right now. <laughs> Again, Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, We will have lots of information in the show notes to connect back to you and look forward to continuing this discussion and relationship. Me too. Thank you. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. 
can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.